0: Greetings friends and brethren, this is Dr. Bob Teal, the Continuing Church of God, and I want to talk about the Millennial Kingdom of God. Because of teachings in various scriptures, such as uh, Psalm 90 verse 4, Psalm 92, 1 through 15, as well as uh, 2 Peter uh, 3, 8, and Hebrews 4, 6 and 8, and Revelation 20 verses 4 to 6, many early Christians believed that the Sabbath helped picture the millennial kingdom of God. You don't have to go there, but in the second chapter of the book of Genesis, we read that God rested on the seventh day, and hallowed it, and made it holy, set it apart. And because of that, many, including Jews, actually taught that this has to do with how long humanity would be ruling on the earth, as well as uh, when Messiah would rule. Now, in the late 2nd century, there was a Greco-Roman uh, saint. We don't consider him a saint, but the Greco-Romans do. His name is Irenaeus. What he, what he wrote was, these are to take place. By the way, Irenaeus claimed to know Polycarp. He became a uh, uh, an apostate as far as we are concerned, but he did claim to know polycarp. He says, in the, These are to take place in the times of the kingdom, that is, upon the seventh day which has been sanctified, in which God rested from all the works which he created, which is the true Sabbath of the righteous. Every time you keep the Sabbath, every single week, we are being reminded that this world is going to end. We do not have to be part of this world. Okay, those of us who have jobs, we don't go to do our physical jobs on the Sabbath. Uh, I've got lots of college education. I didn't do any of that on the Sabbath all that kind of stuff. Okay, so once a week, certainly different for me and and the rest of you. But it's also telling us that this world and its systems are not going to last and it's going to be replaced. Now, I mentioned a Jewish tradition uh, about some of this as well. Jewish tradition attributes some statements to the school of Elijah. Now these are not in the Bible, so this is not scripture. But uh, here's something that uh, the Jewish Talmud says. Now these are writings that came roughly 100 to 300 uh, AD. But the tradition they passed on, it says, it was taught in the school of Elijah the world would endure 6,000 years. 2,000 years in chaos, 2,000 years with Torah, 2,000 years will be the day of Messiah. And now, the time where they call it uh, chaos or desolation basically, what the Jews teach is that from when uh, Adam was created until the, uh, the Torah or the first five books of the Bible were given, this was a time of chaos. Now, there's some argument there about when they count it with Abraham versus Moses, and I won't go into all that. But then it says the time for uh, Torah would be 2,000 years, which roughly brings you to the time Jesus came. So it says, and then it'll be 2,000 years of the days of the Messiah. You would think, because of Jewish tradition, they would realize, oops, the Messiah would have come. As a matter of fact, an oops isn't the right word. If you look, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. It says in Daniel chapter 9 about the Messiah coming and that the temple will be therefore made desolate in the city. And it happened. So you would think, okay, they even finally get it. Okay, obviously the Messiah came. The temple's gone, all this stuff. And they have these traditions. Still didn't do it. Still didn't do it. And it's amazing to me some of you know that when I was writing a, a book that we have called uh, Proof Jesus is the Messiah, I contacted this group called uh, Jews for Jesus. And one of the reasons I did this was figuring, okay, they reach Jews, or at least that's their, what they try to do is, with what their belief is. And They're some type of a Protestant group. So I sent them a chapter of that book, the third chapter. And it was interesting, because that whole focus supposedly is to reach Jews, and he had a couple of minor word changes. He said, uh, this would be possibly offensive with this type of word, switch a couple of words. So, I, so I, I did, I appreciated their help, and I made a couple of word changes. But what got me was, when he read what we wrote, what I wrote for the third chapter of that book, he hadn't apparently Jews for Jesus, never occurred to them to tell the Jews all the stuff that Jews taught about Jesus, or the Messiah, that Jesus fulfilled. Okay. And this is interesting because one thing that has happened within the Protestant world, the Catholic, well, Roman Catholic world, and the Jewish world, is people are used to certain arguments. Jews are used to certain arguments from what they call Christians and, and vice versa. One thing I've learned over the years is they don't know what to make about us. They really don't. Protestants and Roman Catholics have arguments back and forth. I had a Roman Catholic uh, uh, guy, he has a master's in divinity, but he was married, so he was not a priest. uh, uh confronted me about something. He saw me writing some church stuff uh, one time He started talking to me about it. And I said we weren't Protestant. And so he goes his usual stuff, and he couldn't believe our answers. Because we're not afraid of what they call the church fathers. You heard me quote Irenaeus. Now we don't agree with Irenaeus in everything. We don't think he was a true Christian. But he wasn't wrong on everything either. Okay. And those of you who have been watching our sermons and stuff, realize that we believe that what Polycarp of Smyrna taught should be reliable. And basically, many of the so-called Fathers, we don't tend to use that term, of course. Jesus said, don't call anyone your father. But they call them apostolic fathers. So the only way they know what we're talking about. Is that we actually believe what the early Christians teach. What they call saints. The people they call saints. We actually believe it. And that's important as we get into discussion of the millennial kingdom of God. I was uh, speaking with a... Uh, a visitor last night. We had a, a a lady visit who's never had anything to do with the Church of God. She basically came because she bumped into well, actually somebody saw her, told her why. She asked why we were here. She came last night, and I told her something from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Now I was raised Roman Catholic, and if you don't go to Catholic school, on Saturdays, by the way, you don't go to church, but you're supposed to go to catechism, and they teach you their teachings, the book, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, all their teachings. Well, if you read the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and somebody gave me a copy about 10 years ago, and I read the whole thing, only one doctrine in that whole book is associated with the Antichrist. And it is anything to do with the Millennium. You can go to vatican.va, whatever it is, Online, it's online too. The, the Vatican, you can find it. It's the only one. Now, that's not the only one they believe is the Doctor of Antichrist, by the way. But that's the only official one that's in the current Catechism. It's is the Millennium, even though their early fathers taught it. There's no doubt the early people that the Roman Catholics call saints taught the Millennium. There's absolutely no doubt. So you tell them, but I thought you guys said you have to believe what the apostles taught and what your fathers taught, your early saints yeah, well they all taught the millennium they don't have to do with that well they tried to hem and haw, well they didn't really understand I said yeah but your church teaches that everything was given to the apostles and any Christians you guys picked up later came through the apostles, well, they all taught the millennium and they act like no, they don't know what that is now as far as early Christians go they did believe in this 6,000 year of humans being cut off from God and then Jesus would return to establish the millennial kingdom of God. And I want to read something from a, a Protestant uh, scholar from 1878. Okay? And I like to look at this stuff in the 1800s. One of the reasons I like doing that is you look at stuff in the 1800s, they didn't know much about the Church of God back then. They didn't have arguments against us. So they would go out and say stuff that was true, and didn't realize it supports what we teach, and not what they teach. So this is from a Dr. Uh, West. He wrote, John, six times in six consecutive verses in the same chapter, emphasizes the kingdom as a reign of a thousand years. Christian killism, now, it's from a Greek word meaning thousand, was the orthodox state of the primitive church in its purest days. In its purest days? You mean when it contended for the faith once for all delivered to the saints, when it actually had Faith once for all delivered to the saints. Yes! And no. speaking of uh, Kellyism, and this will be another minor digression here, is, as you all know, we don't have crosses. We don't use crosses. Now, it doesn't mean you've got something from the Red Cross, got a cross on it, or, or in a lot of foreign countries, by the way, your national IDs have different crosses on it. We're not talking about that kind of stuff. But um, a few years back, somebody uh, confronted me online about crosses. And I said, well, the early Christians have crosses. Oh, yes, they did. No, they didn't. Well, you we need to go to the catacombs to see them. Like, I said, you mean like the ones in Rome or Cappadocia? Yeah. Turns out my wife Joyce and I have both been to Rome and Cappadocia and saw the catacombs. You don't see them. But, but talking about this Christian killism, you'll see this. Okay? Now, that's not X marks the spot in terms of treasure maps but what that is that's for chi, for killism. They put an X on their grave as a grave marker because that's what they're looking for, the resurrection and the millennial reign of Christ. And what Church of God uh, writer came up with this? None of us. A Roman Catholic priest and scholar by the name of said that's what all those symbols meant. And I've got a book from him, by the way, which was given to me by somebody else. And if you're raised Roman Catholic, this book has an imprimatur on it. it means some bishop has said, this everything is fine, everything is, this is all fine to be published. But people don't know this. They absolutely don't know this. Now, in uh, 1719 in England, there was a guy by the name of John Ozzell He was a non-Sabbath keeper, and he was a Protestant. And here's what he wrote about the Sabbath keepers in England in 1719. People, they go by the name of Sabbatarian. They make profession of expecting a reign of a thousand years. These Sabbatarians are so-called because they will not remove the day of rest from Saturday to Sunday. They administer baptism only to adult people. The major part of them will not eat pork nor blood. Their outward conduct is pious and Christian-like. Okay, so, so okay, these people look okay. They're strange because they go to church on Saturday, and they don't have pork or blood. What kind of people are these? But they expect a millennial reign. They expect a millennial kingdom of God. In uh, 1776, Edward Gibbon, wrote the book, The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, he documented some facts about first century Christians. And he said, The ancient popular doctrine of the millennium was intimately connected with the second coming of Christ. That's correct. As the works of creation had been finished in six days, their duration in our present state, according to the tradition, which was attributed to the prophet Elijah, and I read that one from a Jewish source a few months ago, was fixed to 6,000 years. By the same analogy, it was inferred that this long period of labor and contention, which was now almost elapsed, would be succeeded by a joyful Sabbath of 1,000 years. And that Christ, with the triumphant band of the saints and and the elect who had escaped death or had been miraculously revived, resurrected, first resurrection, seventh trump, would reign upon the earth till the time appointed for the last and general resurrection. So, in other words, even this Catholic writer, historian says, okay, these people say there's going to be a couple of resurrections. They get to be in the first one, then there's another one that comes later, and they're going to reign for a thousand years. Now, even though, even though the only doctrine of Antichrist in the current catechism of the Catholic Church is the millennium, I will mention that previous popes have said the Sabbath is a sign of the, of, uh, the Antichrist. And they have a few other things that we keep that they consider Antichrist signs. But this is the only one that's in the official catechism. Now the official catechism of the Catholic Church was updated by the guy who is now known as Pope Benedict uh, the 16th Emeritus. Okay, When he was Cardinal Ratzinger, he decided, hey, it's been a couple hundred years we need to put this thing together. But he overlooked something, at least I think he overlooked something. So I'm going to read something from a book that was blessed by one of his predecessors. This book was blessed by Pope Paul VI. And it was written by a guy by the name of Culligan. Now you may think that name is somewhat familiar because you may have heard advertisements they used to have for something called the Culligan Man. This is that guy. Okay, This is a book he wrote. My guess is he gave sufficient funds to the Roman Catholic Church. And that's how he got a pope to bless his book. It says right in there, the book is blessed by this pope. So here's what he says. Catholic writing in 1966. Writes, is there to be a millennium? And I mention this because if we ever have to deal with Roman Catholics, we can tell them, look, your Pope blessed the book. Was, was the Pope infallible when he blessed this book? Or is he infallible when he says it's the Antichrist? <laughs> and by the way, in our writings, we specific, I have specifically written... There's no writing from a Church of God writer outside of the Bible that's infallible. None of us claim infallibility. I don't care if it was me, your favorite minister all the time, Herbert Armstrong, Jonathan Armstrong, and any people in any other Church of God. It doesn't matter. We're all impossible. We're all fallible. And we all can make mistakes. But that's not their position. Their position is on various matters. Pope is infallible. So here's what it says. It says to be a millennium. This is from this book, Blessed by the Catholic Church. Uh, Pope in the twentieth chapter of the Apocalypse, Book of Revelation. It said The saints are then to reign with Christ a thousand years. Many early Christians took this as a literal description. Uh, yeah, if you could read, that's what it says. Millenarianism <laughs> well, these people believe in a thousand reign, a thousand year reign. This belief was common in the early church. Yeah, because it's in the book of Revelation and they had it and they read it. It appeared from time to time in the Middle Ages and still advocated by some of the more obscure sects. So by the time this came out, people like Herbert Armstrong were broadcasting various things, so they knew some people were still teaching it. The time of the first resurrection will end, it's a time when the seventh millennium will set in. So they understood that after the first resurrection, that's when millennium is going to start. And will be the day of Sabbath in the plan of creation. Do you understand this stuff? Now, were any any of you, I want to show hands. any of you raised Roman Catholic? Just a couple of you, not too many. Okay, I can assure you they didn't teach anything sounding anything like this. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> it's been com- the common opinion among the Jews, Gentiles, Latin, and Greek Christians that the present evil world will last no more than 6,000 years. That was the common teaching. And by the way, as far as Greek Christians, remember the New Testament was written in Greek. I mentioned people like Polycarp a little bit ago. He was Greek, Polycarp's a Greek word. People like Polycrates, who got passed over the 14th, That's what, he was Greek too, so was Melito and uh, Segaris and various other ones. Uh, so they're saying that these people all taught 6,000 years. This is not, and I'll use a term that I hate to use, this is not Armstrongism, okay? It isn't. He didn't come up with it. <clears throat> anyway, continuing this Catholic blessed book, Roman Catholic book blessed book, Christians and Jews from the beginning of Christianity and before have taught this, that 6,000 years after the creation of Adam and Eve. Now, I teach, we teach, slightly different, 6,000 years from when they left the Garden of Eden. We don't know when that was. Okay? Because uh, I think the 6,000 years started after they left the Garden of Eden. I don't have any reason to think it would start before. Okay? After they uh, turned away from God, as Herbert Armstrong used to say, uh, decided to go Satan's way, and God gave humanity 6,000 years to go Satan's way. Well, if that's the case, I would think it started when they first listened to Satan. But again, I don't know if that was three days after they were created, ten years, five years, a week and a half, I have no idea. The reason that's important, however, is if you're going to try to calculate when does the 6,000 years end, we don't really know exactly. Okay? Uh, We've got some ideas, and I've said some of those before. But this is one reason why we're not quite so sure. And the other thing, of course, is when Jesus was saying what signs to look for, he didn't say whichever of you is the smartest calculator. All right? Whoever can read between the lines of the Hebrew what it doesn't say. Okay? I'm not saying there couldn't be anything in Bible codes or anything, but I'm saying that isn't what he told us to do. All right? He told us there are certain signs and we're looking for those. And we know we've got to be extremely close. 6,000 years after they called the creation of Eve, Consummation will occur. That The period after the consummation is to be the seventh day of creation. The Sabbath. Catholic Saint Jerome said, It's a common belief that the world will last 6,000 years. Now, Jerome was one of very few people who's considered a doctor of the Greco-Roman Church. Matter of fact, when my wife and I had been to uh, Vatican City, which we've been to a bunch of times. We've been to St. Peter's uh, Cathedral, I don't know, 10, 12 times, I don't know. There's a thing in there. There's a t- big black throne. And believe it or not, when Joe Takach Sr. saw it, he wondered if that was Satan's throne. Okay? Believe it or not, that's what he said. Anyway, if you see this black throne, which no humans ever sat in, there's four legs, four pillars. And one of the four is this St. Jerome guy. And another one, the guy by the name John Chrysostom. He's the one, by the way, in 386 AD who said that uh, if the biblical holy days are great, ours are lives. He's right. But of course, he was taking the opposite position. But that's what he's got over there. Anyway, and here's what Culligan wrote. I believe that as the last days come to an end, so will the sixth day of creation. This is from his book, by the way. It's called The Last World War and the End of Time. So it's out there. The, the problem is, what we're seeing in theology is the same thing we're seeing basically in the basic news media these days. There's like an agenda. Things that don't fit the, the party line, they don't want you to hear. It's not that you can't find it anywhere. But it's not easy to find and most people won't dig. Most people won't dig. Uh, I don't have it up here to hold up, but we have a, a new book that uh, it's online, it'll be finalized probably next year, but it's called Beliefs of the Original Catholic Church. It's available at CCUG.org. and I believe if somebody with an open mind and willing to believe the truth would be willing to look at the scriptures. And by the way, in that particular book, we almost exclusively only cite scriptures from the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox translations of the Bible. So they can't say we're playing some trick with them. As well as to look at what they call the, the early fathers. Those quotes, they can look them up to make sure they're valid. They'd be shocked that what they call the original Catholic Church had what we would call Church of God doctrine. Well, speaking of uh, the Bible, I'm going to go to Revelation chapter uh, uh, 5, and I am going to read from the Dewey Rames, which is a Catholic translation, just one verse, Revelation 5, verse 10. In the New Testament, the Apostle John was inspired to write, has made us to our God a kingdom and priests and we shall reign on the earth. Now one of the reasons I mention this is when you read some modern Roman Catholic scholars they say, you're not reigning on the earth. No, that's not it, that's something else. But this says in their own book, their own translation of the book, excuse me, that we're going to reign on the earth. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 20. I alluded to that before. Revelation chapter 20. And I'll start in verse 1. Again, this will be for the Dewey Rames, so you're probably not reading the Dewey Rames, so probably a little bit different. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And he cast him in the bottomless pit, and shut him up set a seal on him so he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished but after these things he must be released for a little time do you know that Roman Catholics say this has already happened now I'd like you to point out to me any one thousand year period in the last two thousand years where Satan wasn't out there you can't find it so they say well kind of this doesn't really mean a thousand years it just means a long time all right. What long time? Show me the long time. Satan was not around because he was bound, not deceiving the world. They can't do that. Didn't expect to hear that question. Okay. Now let's go down to verse four. And I saw seats, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And the souls of them that were beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, which, by the way, means beheading is going to be done again and for the Word of God. They don't want us to be preaching the Word of God. They want to think that their traditions have overtaken those things. And if you actually look at all the details of how they explain things, they, they box themselves in corners all the time and then they fail. But they don't want to look. They don't want us to look. And they don't want to hear it. And they're not going to want to hear it. Anyway, these are people who had not adored the beast, nor his image, nor received his character, meaning his mark on their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So we've got a period of time for a thousand years. A reign with Jesus, the millennial kingdom of God. Verse 5, And the rest of the dead live not till the thousand years are finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. And hopefully that includes all of you. In these, the second death has no power. Now the second death is a permanent death. Physical death we're going to have is not permanent. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him a thousand years. Now we'll see what happens when the thousand years are over. When the thousand years are finished, Satan will be loose out of his prison. But wait a second. When did we have this thousand years... There's this is resurrection, the Christian's reigning. We haven't yet. Okay? But I'm, I'm shocked. Uh, I'm shocked for lots of different things. Being a relatively educated person, I'm shocked when I read stuff from other educated, people who are supposedly educated, who come up with the conclusions like I told you. Of course, we have issues even in this country with people who uh, have difficulty reading things, uh, founding documents in this country. They call themselves doctors and scholars or whatever. Anyway. Verse 7. I was talking about Satan's loosed. He will go forth, seduce the nations, which are the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, which will gather together for a battle. Well, the time for this thousand years, Christians have commonly called the millennium. And it's from the Latin, uh, mille, for a thousand. Now I'd like to read something from this is a, another Protestant scholar this is from the 17th century, so the 1600s, a guy by the name of Will, William Chillingworth. That same doctrine was by the Church of the next age after the Apostles. Mark this, held true and Catholic. So saying, this is a Catholic doctrine. In that Church, this guy's a Catholic or Protestant. I thought he was Protestant. He's a Catholic. Whatever doctrine is believed and taught by the most eminent fathers of any age of the Church, and by none of their contemporaneous opposed or condemned. Therefore, it was the Catholic doctrine of the Church of those times, the doctrine of the millenaries millenaries, it's a word I really can't say the way they was believed and taught by the most eminent fathers of the age after the apostles, and by none of that age opposed or condemned. Therefore it was a t- Catholic doctrine of the of those times. It appears manifest out of this book of Irenaeus, and I quoted Irenaeus earlier, that the doctrine of the Achilles, the Millennialists, was in his judgment apostolic tradition. It wasn't just apostolic tradition, it was that too. It's a biblical doctrine, and the apostles taught it. And people kept teaching it. Now, let me read what the Catholic Encyclopedia says about this. That came out just over a hundred years ago. A large number of Christians of the post-apostolic era, particularly in Asia Minor. Let me stop there for a moment. As many as you know, I would like to use my hand as a map, being from Michigan. Everything looks like this. This is Asia Minor. Otherwise, now known as Turkey. Down here is Syria, and over here is Jerusalem. So this is Asia Minor. Uh, let's see if I get this right. Uh, that's uh, Ephesus, S- uh, Smyrna. Uh, Pergamos is over there, Uh Titara, as I think down here, uh, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. I've been to all those places. My wife and I have been to all those places. They're all in Asia Minor. John, the one who wrote at Jesus' instructions, the book of Revelation, was on Patmos, which is just off of uh, Ephesus. We've been there too, by the way. And according to uh, uh, historical traditions, if you will, uh, the Apostle John died in Ephesus. So the last of the apostles to die, died not in Rome. He died in Asia Minor. And so, and I mentioned Polycarp of Smyrna, who also believed in Millennium. I mentioned Melito of Sardis. He wrote about the Millennium. And, that, and others did as well but here's what this says a large number of Christians in the post-apostolic era this is from the Catholic Encyclopedia, particularly in Asia Minor yielded so far to Jewish apocalypse to put a literal meaning on these descriptions of St. John's apocalypse these people had the audacity to believe what was written in the New Testament by the Apostle John who they actually knew you know if John didn't mean it they could have asked him John says it's true Apparently, John told them it was, and they kept teaching it. The result of was that Millenarianism was spread and gained staunch advocates, not only among the heretics, but among the Catholic Christians. I told you, Church of God doctrines were those the Catholics. They call these Catholic doctrines, but they don't keep them now. They're the ones that say they haven't changed from the beginning. Anyway, now they say Papias and Heropolis. Now Heropolis, by the way, in case you don't know, was very close to Laodicea. My wife and I have been there too. Okay? He's a disciple of Saint John. And he was a, he appeared as an advocate of Millenarianism. Appeared. Well maybe I'll quote him a little bit later. He he more than appeared as what? He claimed to receive this doctrine from the contemporaries of the apostles. So not only do they have the book, they had people who knew the apostles, the people who knew the people who knew the apostles, and they all said, hey. This is true. This is what we're supposed to believe. And a, a witness for the continued belief in millenarianism in the province of Asia Minor is St. Melito, Bishop of Sardis, in the late second century. That's for the Roman Catholic Church. So this is not a doctrine that didn't uh, continue, it continued now there was uh, something else in the Catholic Encyclopedia there's a guy they didn't like too much there's a guy named Nepos now before I read what the Catholic Encyclopedia said about Nepos let me tell you what Nepos or Napos said, N-E-P-O-S and so in Greek that would be Napos he was an Egyptian so he, uh, to use the current vernacular he probably was a person of color we're not sure what was his big crime? he didn't like the fact that there were allegorists rising up in Alexandria, Egypt. Those are people who said that the Bible doesn't really mean what it says. It means something else. Nepos says no. It means what it says. Now Nepos was actually highly respected. But here's what Catholic Sycopetus says. An Egyptian bishop, Nepos, taught the Culeastic error. Not doctrine. It was a doctrine. They're calling this an error. This is the 3rd century. Okay, <laughs> that there would be a reign of Christ upon the earth for a thousand years a period of corporal delights uh, physical delights he founded this doctrine upon the apocalypse in a book called The Refutation of the Allegorizers so he wrote a book saying no, you're supposed to believe what the Bible says I'm against those who say don't believe what the Bible says you just make stuff up so they didn't like that Now, I mentioned the uh, Roman Catholic Saint Jerome. He found these people, he called them Nazarenes. Now, if I was still any good with Latin, which I'm not, but I did take Latin in high school, I could tell you it says, I'll read part of it, Judea et Christinante, Judean Zantes, qui inquiet, I'll forget the rest of it, alright, you don't need any Latin none of you probably know Latin, if you do uh, as far as I know is any, am I the only person, has anybody other than me actually formally studied Latin? no, oh one, back, okay alright, I won't mention your name on this, but we know who you are anyway here's translated into English and I actually did part of the translation because I did I, I don't pronounce it really well, but I could still translate it to some degree, Jews and Christian Judaizers, Christian Jews these are, are remain survivors of the nations that came against Jerusalem. They shall go out every year to worship the King and the Lord of hosts and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. These also shall hope in through the hollow devotion of the Jews a thousand year old promise of a thousand year old promise of the future kingdom whose festival this is the beginning of. In other words he says these people these people keep the beast of tabernacles that says it's got to do with this thousand year things. That's just Jewish nonsense, he's saying. No, it's biblical. And what's interesting about Jerome, Jerome isn't wrong about everything he does, by the way. Uh, and he actually seemed to have a, 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 sometimes a level head on his shoulders. But he decided that was just, uh, just a fable. And uh, he originally did believe in it, by the way. When it became politically incorrect not to believe in it, he and a bunch of others switched over. But even people like Jerome originally believed in the Millennium and one of the great doctors of their church. Of course, we, the Continuing Church of God, still teach the Millennium, and we tie the Feast of Tabernacles into it. Whether or not, uh, if you're part of the Worldwide Church of God, I don't remember hearing this particular uh, quote from Jerome. Uh, Maybe somebody else stumbled upon it before. But that I didn't know until I ran into it a few years ago. Now despite this being an original Catholic belief, it was formally condemned by the Greco-Roman uh, council of Constantinople that Theodosius uh, called in 381 AD. Now it should be pointed out there's, there are some descendants particularly among the Eastern Russian Orthodox that still think that there's some version of the Millennium even though there was a council that uh, condemned it. Now I'm going to read something on this from the uh, Ukrainian Orthodox Church of Canada. Uh, they don't believe in the Millennium. Kiliism. Kiliism from the Greek word meaning 1,000 is a belief based upon Revelation 20 verses 2 through 7. Okay. In its classical form which interprets the Revelation 20 verses verbatim, the classic form as you believe what the Bible says. Killeism teaches that Satan will be bound by Christ for a thousand years, by which time Jesus and the saints will reign on the earth, and after which Satan will finally be defeated and the eternal kingdom of God will be inaugurated. In modern times, Killeism has been boiled down to the teaching that the world will end after a thousand years or a number of years that's a multiple of a thousand. See, they're just watering this stuff down here. Though some ancient church fathers in the first three centuries A.D. had Kilius leanings, well actually they all did, that we know of, the Orthodox Church formally denounced Kilius at the Second Ecumenical Council in 381, the one I just mentioned. And before I go any further, I'll throw this out here. And uh, I didn't know this until recently, and I feel ashamed as a historian not knowing this until recently. For that uh, council to take place the head of the Orthodox Church was demoted. He lost his job. Uh, Emperor Theodosius told this guy, you have to believe in the Trinity. And he said, no. And he says, if we don't believe in the Trinity, you're deposed. So they got rid of the Patriarch of Constantinople. And then they did this council. And then they condemned it. Now you talk to the Eastern Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, they say, we're different than Roman Catholics. We never changed. But but your guy got kicked out because he wouldn't go along with the changes, and they—they don't know this. It's the the ignorance. Part of it, people are just so comfortable with tradition. And some of you know a few years back at one of the feasts, I actually talked about traditions. We also be careful in the Church of God. It isn't that all of our traditions are wrong. They're not. It's not every Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox tradition is wrong. We've got to be sure the traditions are based on the Bible. Okay. Anyway, continuing here, says the church maintains that the thousand-year reign mentioned in Revelation 20 is symbolic of the era of the Christian church's ministry in this fallen world. So they're saying that because the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholic Church are out there the last couple thousand years, this is a millennium. I don't make this stuff up. which will come to its completion at a time unknown to all but God the Father. Okay? It's going to go on, so who knows when, he says, but this is the millennium. All right. Now I want to read from another Roman Catholic source. Why do I keep telling you Roman Catholic sources? It mentions in Daniel chapter 11 that the people of understanding will be wise and instruct many. We can't instruct many if we don't understand. Now, I'm not going to say know your enemy, because we're supposed to love our enemy. But the time is going to come where we'll be giving personal witnesses to various ones. And I think it's very helpful to know what they think they know. So we can honestly, in humility and in love and kindness, explain to them that they've been misled. And if they actually would look at what their early writers say, some of their scholars say, some of that they consider to be fathers of the church, etc., say, he realized that. Wait a second, uh, we shouldn't have condemned the millennium. How could the how can an original biblical belief be the doctrine of Antichrist? How come Saint X, Saint Y, Saint Q said these are all? This is all true. Okay. Well, anyway, here's something from another book. This is called the Book of Destiny. This has uh, got a, a imprimatur on it. It's written by a Roman Catholic. It says. Chapter, 10, chapter 20 of the book of Revelation relates to the expulsion of Satan from the world for a thousand years. In St. John's outlook, the end of the world could not have been included in the hour of temptation because a thousand years must intervene between the days of Antichrist and the end of the world. And again, they can't point to any period of time for a thousand years Satan wasn't out there. But this is what They teach. Now I'm going to go back to the Catholic Encyclopedia again. So it's a fundamental idea of millenarianism as understood by Christian writers. So notice notice, the Roman Catholics are saying this is from Christian writers. Now we might not consider all those writers Christians, but they do. Maybe set forth as follows. At the end of time, Christ will return in all his splendor. That's going to happen. To gather together the just that's gonna to happen. To annihilate hostile powers, that's gonna happen. And to found a glorious kingdom on the earth for the enjoyment of the highest spiritual and material blessings, he himself will reign as its king. It's going to happen. And all the just, including the saints, recalled to life, will participate in it. They know, but they don't get it. The duration of this glorious reign of Christ, the saints of the earth frequently given us a thousand years, hence it's known as the millennium. The belief in the future realizations of this kingdom is called millenarianism, from Kiliasm, from the Greek word kilia, meaning a thousand. And I mentioned it, uh, Papius. I'm going to get to him, uh, John, says, uh, St. Irenaeus, a native of Asia Minor, influenced by the companions of St. Polycarp. He adopted this and discussed it. Oh, he was influenced by a church, a true Christian leader, and taught it. Okay, so what's wrong with that? Now, get this part. This is from the Catholic Encyclopedia. Gnosticism, which the Roman Catholics say is bad, and we say it was too, rejected millenarianism in Asia Minor. That's right. The, only, the people who rose up against it were people like Marcion who was uh, against the Sabbath, against uh, clean and unclean meats, believed most people would be lost, was against the uh, millennium, and he was denounced by Polycarp. Okay? And other Gnostics did this. In the West, it says, the millenarian expectations of the glorious kingdom of Christ and his just found adherence for a long time. Okay, so this is not something that somebody believed for 10 minutes. This is for hundreds of years. People kept believing this. Since the poet uh, Comedian, as well as uh, Lactantius, proclaimed the millennial realm and described its splendor. Moreover, the attitude of the church towards secular power had undergone, undergone a change with closer connections between her and the Roman Empire. There's no doubt that this turn of events did much towards weaning the Christians from the old millenarianism. Do you know what he just said? Mm. There was this dude by the name of Constantine. (laughs) And he saw the sun god in the uh, garden of Apollos around 308 or 309, somewhere around then. And that really influenced him to be a good sun god worshiper. And he was going to have this battle a couple of years later. He claimed to have another vision. This time, he claimed to see a spear and some kind of a crossbar over it. He said, this sign, you should conquer. So he told all of his soldiers, put this on the outside of your shields. And he won something called the Battle of Milvian Bridge. October 31st, I think it's 312 A.D. And... So he thought, okay. Then he claimed to have a dream after that. And then now it became a golden sword. There's all kinds of interpretations of whatever this was. And according to the Catholic Encyclopedia and other spots, he, like other Roman emperors, thought, you know, why don't we just get everybody together? We'll get the professing Christians together, along with people who do Mithraism. Now, they had a problem with Mithraism, by the way. The problem is they didn't have women as part of Mithraism. So that wasn't really cool can't kind of keep going without women. By the way, you're useful for many things. And uh, so Christians allowed a lot of women, okay? So Constantine kind of blended it all together, paid a few bribes, if you want to call it that. And now, if any of you have ever seen a Catholic priest or a pope or a Catholic bishop, you notice what they wear. Those are Emperor Constantine's priest wore. Early Christians didn't wear that. The Christians wore what normal people wore. Okay? They didn't stand out. didn't look special. But they're admitting that once they got secular power from Constantine, hey, well, you know, we can't teach that Jesus is going to come and reign. I mean, come on. We've got the Roman emperors reigning. And, and they're Christians. So that's close enough. And that type of Christianity changed. I mentioned Marcion, so let me uh, uh, read about him for just a moment or so. Now, Marcion was a uh, an anti-law leader who rose up, one of the more highly respected uh, church historians by the Catholics by, by the name of Tertullian. And he wrote that Marcion displayed a hatred against the Jews' most solemn day he was only professedly following the creator as being his Christ in this very hatred of the Sabbath. So Marcion was an anti-Sabbath person and according to a a Protestant scholar by the name of Brown, he's the first great heretic who broke drastically away from the faith of the early church and is abandoning the idea that Jesus was going to return and there was no logic in his place for a real second coming of Jesus and he was against the millennium And that's where it comes from. All right. um, I'll briefly mention, I'm not going to quote this, but uh, Isaac Newton, who you heard of, uh, seen his grave uh, twice. I've been to uh, Westminster Abbey a couple of times, so has my wife. Uh, He said that it's absolutely clear that the uh, millennium was what early Christians taught. And that they still should be doing it. Oh, I mentioned the Roman Catholic Church, so let me read from their catechism. This is catechism item number 676, and that can be looked up online. The Antichrist deception, this is from the Catholic catechism, already begins to take shape in the world every time the claim is made to realize within history that messianic hope, which can only be realized beyond history through eschatological judgment uh, prophetic judgment. The church has rejected, even in modified forms of this falsification of the kingdom to come under the name of millenarianism, especially the intrinsically perverse political form of secular uh, messianism. This is the only time Antichrist is mentioned in that book and it's mentioned saying it's got anything to do with the millennium. They reject even modified versions of it. Okay? It's, it's only their got to do with their church, do not try to say that Jesus is going to have this stuff happen. They don't want you to believe what that book says. I mentioned Papias and they said that he alluded to the uh, uh, millennium. Well, you can think this is direct if it's uh, an illusion. Papias wrote, there will be a period of a thousand years after the resurrection of the dead that the kingdom of Christ will be set up in material form on this very earth. He's not alluding to it. He's teaching it. Okay? The millennial kingdom of God was taught. And he said, in like manner, a grain of wheat would produce 10,000 years, and every year would have 10,000 grains. He's going back to the Old Testament. Every grain would produce 10 pounds of clear, purifying flour, and that apples and seeds and grass would produce in similar proportions, all the animals and feeding on them only in the productions of the earth. Will become peaceable and harmonious and in perfect subjection to man. So he wrote this. Now I'm going to read something from a Roman Catholic cardinal by the name of Danilu. The most important doctrine that Papias claims to receive from, from tradition is that of millenarianism. The doctrine is already found in the New Testament Revelation of John. The Asiatic environment. Since it was there, millenarianism reached its full development by the church founded by John. Claimers from the Bible, the claimant from the Apostle John. It seems, excuse me, it remains to decide what type of community Clement's elders belonged. It seems to be very different for that of the Asiatic elders. There's no trace of millenarianism among them. Okay, If you don't know much about church history, this might have just blown over your head. I didn't know much about this stuff until a while ago. In Egypt, there was a guy named Clement, he was a Gnostic. He didn't really believe the Bible. So this Roman Catholic scholar, cardinal is saying, in Asia Minor, the saints taught the millennium. But in Alexandria, there's no traces of this. It seems like a very different church. And that's true. One of the problems that the Greco-Roman Protestants have when they look at church history is they lump them all together. Those of you who've uh, read uh, what we put out, or heard some of uh, what i preached about this in the past, realize we don't teach it the way they teach it. We don't teach that everybody who was around right after the apostles was a true Christian. Roughly, we teach that uh, the predominant Christians in Rome were probably real until around 120, 130, somewhere around there. Predominant ones in Antioch were our people until around 211, even though we were still around afterwards. Alexandria, we have, I have no idea. I'm sure there were some true Christians there, but we, when we were ever dominant, it's really hard to, to know. Jerusalem is still 135 AD. And in Asia Minor, we were predominant until about 250. But this is another admission that there were two different groups. And as it was at the time, Clement's group, Alexandria, that was the intellectual capital of the Roman Empire. It was not Rome. Okay. Their equivalent of, of Harvard and Ivy League schools were all in Alexandria. You set your kids to get that's where you learned if you were wealthy. You didn't go anywhere else. All right. Um, one, of, uh, one of our people, Apollo, Apollinarius of Heropolis in the third century, says there is indeed a millennium mentioned by John. This is a Church of God leader, still teach the millennium in the third century. Even one of their saints, a guy by name of Hippolytus, third century wrote, and 6,000 years must needs be accomplished in order that the Sabbath may come, the rest the holy day in which God rested for all his works. See, they knew that the Sabbath represented the millennial kingdom of God, but they don't keep it. For the Sabbath is a type and emblem of the future kingdom and the end of the saints. When they say, shall reign with Christ when he comes from heaven, as John says in his apocalypse. For a day of the Lord's is a thousand years. Since in six days God made all things and follows the six thousand years must be fulfilled. It's out there. Again, people who say that this is an invention, a modern invention, we have a, we've got a guy in Australia, i tell a quick story about this. About a year or so ago, he posted something at a Roman Catholic news site. So they had an article and he made some comment, somebody made a comment back, and he wrote again, this time, apparently he mentioned me, and uh, the, uh, the Roman Catholic uh, writer comes back with, uh, you're just Protestants because you guys only started in the 21st century. Or maybe uh, in the 20th century. Or at the very oldest, you guys came from the Millerite movement in the 1800s. That's what they teach about us. Now, because of him, and I plan on doing a couple of sermons on this uh, after the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, I decided finally to, put, to keep working on a list I had worked on for my prior church organization on early apostolic succession and uh, just to tell you a couple of things that I believe that the old uh, Worldwide Church of God got wrong uh, one of which is if you look through in the the British Isles in the 1600s there were two types of Sabbatarians there were Protestants who went to church on Saturday who were Calvinists and then there were Church of God people Church of God people didn't eat pork, believed in the millennium uh, We're not Calvinists. Calvinists, by the way, think only a few people will ever be saved. Okay? And if you look at it the way, if you look, it took me a while to separate those people. I've been working on it off and on for years, but finally, to some degree, I pulled it off. And I finally put together a list, and he actually posted it uh, on a Catholic website uh, a few weeks ago. And I said, well, he told me he posted it, and I didn't see it. I mean, obviously, I wrote the list, but I said, well, what did they say about it? Not a word. Not a word. And actually, I tried to get it published in a couple of different places. Uh, and I'll talk about that another time. But the reality is, they don't want to conceive of the idea that it, the true church has existed throughout history. They want us to. They just want to say we just popped up. We're just a modern invention. But when you can go back and find early writings in-between in writings in later writings, the 1600s, 1700s, 1800s? You can find out, no, we didn't come from Millerite movement. Um, We didn't come from the Adventists either. Um, uh, Herbert Armstrong didn't invent a lot of these things. Um, I suspect, by the way, that Herbert Armstrong read parts of the uh, Catholic Encyclopedia, because if you read some parts of the Catholic Encyclopedia, you can actually find stuff like I read about the Millennium. Okay? They don't realize what they're doing when they're documenting. And it helps, by the way, because the Roman Catholics are better readers of Greek and Latin than I am. And probably any of you. Catholic priests go through lots of training in that, and I'm happy that they translate this stuff. But one time, actually one time I got in trouble. Not in trouble, trouble. But uh, there's a Greek Orthodox scholar that I know. He was reading something that I wrote. He told me I made a mistake. And I said, where? He did. And I was, all I did was quote the Catholic Encyclopedia. Okay, And actually, he told me where it was. And so I went back and I looked up, and the Catholic Encyclopedia did make a mistake uh, about some statement some ancient person made, and I went to the source document. But in general, it's kind of helpful, because it shows what we teach was there before. I mentioned, by the way, Bugatti, Dr. Bugatti, as far as the, the X's, and here's what he wrote. The doctrine of millenarianism, being widespread with many iconographical traces. So there were some kind of signs of it. As a sign of millennialism, also called Kiliism, we find the Greek letter G, the uh, initial for the word Kilio thousand. Studying funeral monuments we find ourselves face to face with many signs which lead us to millennial iconographic repertory. So this Roman Catholic scholar at the end of the last century says, see all those funeral markings? Those aren't crosses. By the way, those are the people who believed in millennium. Because that's when we get resurrected. That's what it had to do with your grave. Now in Matthew 24, 14, Jesus taught, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all worlds, and witnessed all nations, and then the end will come. We, in the continuing church of God, do not believe this has been fully fulfilled. Because the end has not yet come. When will it be fulfilled? When God has decided it's fulfilled. Okay. Now, 2nd century Christians didn't believe it was fulfilled. Otherwise, they wouldn't have sent uh, missionaries out from Asia Minor and Palestine to different places. For example, they believe they went to the British Isles, amongst other places. And we are working to try to get the message out. As most of you know, uh, we have a booklet called The Gospel of the Kingdom of God. Uh, It's written in English. But if you go to ccog.org, we have it up there in over 100 languages. And we're working on another uh, language right now that's not up there, which I don't want to mention yet till I get it done. I'm not doing it, by the way. Somebody else is. Somebody who's actually not in our fellowship is translating it for us. Now, I want to read something from what's called the oldest complete Christian sermon that survived. Now, uh, it's called uh, uh, Second Clement by others. And it's about the kingdom of God. And here's what this says in the oldest so-called complete Christian sermon that survived. Moreover, you know, brothers, that our stay in the world of the flesh is insignificant and transitory. But the promise of Christ is great and rest. Rest in the coming kingdom and life eternal. Yes, they taught the kingdom of God. Now, this was probably written around 110. Uh, A.D. between 91 and 120, somewhere along that time. Furthermore, it says, Now, even if righteous men are not able, by means of their own righteousness, deeds, to save their children, what assurance do we have of entering the kingdom of God if we fail to keep our baptism pure and undefiled? Or who will be our advocate if we've not been found to have holy and righteous works? So, for Protestants who think all you have to do is one time say, I accepted Jesus in my heart and don't, care, don't change your life, they're telling you, no, that's not what they taught. As, as many of you know, we have a book called Hope and Salvation, How the Continuing Church of God Differs from Protestantism. There was no faith similar to modern Protestantism in the first, second century. It's not, it's not there. Continuing, this says, Therefore, let us love one another, that we may all enter the kingdom of God. Therefore, if we know what is right in God's sight, we will enter His kingdom and receive the promises which ear has not heard, nor eyes seen, nor the heart of man imagined. Let us wait, therefore, hour by hour for the kingdom of God in love and righteousness, since we know not the day of God's appearing. He says, The kingdom of my Father shall come. The above statements show that uh, love and proper living is needed. And we haven't yet entered the kingdom of God. They didn't think we'd enter the kingdom of God. I mention that because in the Greco-Roman world, sometimes, Catholic world, sometimes we've already entered the kingdom of God. No, we haven't entered. It's not there yet. Uh, I want to read something from Theophilus of Antioch. We consider him a Church of God writer. Now, he was a poetic writer. So if you read his stuff, it's a little strange. Remember, he wrote it in Greek. He was a poet. (laughs) Translate in English. So some parts are a little bit strange. So here's something he wrote. I but mentioned his goodness. I called him kingdom. He called Jesus kingdom. I, but I, I but mentioned his glory. For if he had made him immortal from the beginning, he would have made him God. Neither then immortal nor yet mortal did he make him, but as we have said above, capable of both. So he should incline to the things of immortality, keeping the commandments of God, so he should receive his reward from him immortality and should become God. So he taught deification, he taught the kingdom of God, He taught you have to keep the Ten Commandments. And he wrote around 180 AD. okay? We still believe that. Now let's go to the Old Testament, Daniel chapter seven. Uh, uh, verse 18. it says... But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Now if you're in Daniel, if you go back to Daniel chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 44. Daniel 2 verse 44 says, And in the days of these kings the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break into pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever so from Daniel we learn the kingdom of God is going to destroy human kingdoms and last forever every Sabbath we should realize this world is not going to last as it is and the saints are going to have a part in this let's go to Isaiah Isaiah chapter 11 kind of a traditional scripture to read Starting in verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the son of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The Spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt of his loins, the faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lay down with the young goat, the calf and the lion, and the fatling together, and a little child should lead them. And Papias understood that, I quoted from him earlier. The cow and the bear shall graze. Papias talked about that. Their young ones shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. The weaned child will put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall all be full of knowledge of the Lord as waters cover the sea. That time is coming. And in that day there will be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. You don't have to go there, but Isaiah 9 verse 7 says, Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David, and over his kingdom, to order it, and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord will will perform this. So Isaiah is making it clear this is going to happen on the earth. Now, I've debated, but I think I want to do this. I'm going to read something that the late Dr. Herman Hay wrote about this back in 1970. He says, this can't be in heaven because there's no wicked people in heaven. Children are not being suckled and weaned in heaven. This can't be the new earth because there'll be no wicked people there either. Revelation uh, 21, 1 through 4. These events must occur on this earth during the millennium. Can't happen in heaven, nor in a new earth, nor during this age before the millennium begins. Who's going to tame wild carnivorous animals, eat straw like and axe before the thousand years? This is a prophecy for the millennium. He says also Isaiah 35 contains other descriptions of the reign of Christ, etc. Thanks be to God, he says what the millennium is going to be like. It's going to be such a wonderful world, and there's going to be justice. Uh, let's go to Isaiah 28. Starting verse sixteen. Therefore, uh, uh, yeah, Isaiah twenty-eight verse sixteen. Therefore, says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a true foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily, and I will make justice the measuring line, and righteousness the plummet. Hail will sweep away the refuge of lies, and the waters will overflow the hiding places. We are dealing with a society based on lies, who accepts lies and more lies. Uh, I'm not going to go there, but uh, in our book, uh, Beliefs the Original Catholic Church, I've got, I cite Isaiah 32, Isaiah 42, Isaiah 51, basically saying that the Messiah will bring justice. Five times in the Hebrew Scriptures, and once in the New Testament, from Jesus, we clearly say justice is connected to God's law. And that's why it will be better. We know from uh, Luke uh, uh, 22, verses 24 to 30, I'm not going to read there now, that uh, the disciples are going to reign in the kingdom. And the world's going to be a better place. How much better beyond what we can imagine. In Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8, it says the end of a thing is better than beginning thereof. Okay. Garden of Eden was a very nice place. The end is going to be better beyond what people can imagine. Uh, there's descriptions about that in places like Isaiah 35 utopia is not impossible God is going to bring it about people will no longer be swayed by Satan and his lies and be more willing to believe the truth right now we have people who have a veil over them they can't accept the truth the truth is out there but most won't look fortunately God has called some who are responding we will help other people we will teach other people not only during the millennium, and I know that's a common scripture to quote. You hear teachers tell you this is the way, walk you in it. But many of us may have the opportunity prior to the return of Jesus Christ to instruct many about things people do not realize. The belief of the original Christian church, the original Catholic church, the original church from the Bible was the millennial kingdom of God. The Feast of Tabernacles helps picture that and by observing it, you're learning so you can help people not only in the age to come but perhaps God will also use you in this age. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Continuing Church of God.